0: Welcome, everybody, to another episode of All the Hard Things. Today, we have a really amazing episode, especially for those of you who out there might resonate with terms like health anxiety or health OCD. We have Rachel Ehrenberg here. She's going to talk to us about her story a little bit, um, kind of what that recovery process was like for her, her experience, her story, and some common misconceptions regarding health anxiety, Uh, something else that I think we will... Uh, be really lucky to get into today um, that I'm really excited to talk about is actually the role of physicians. Um, And, you know, as a therapist who works with people who have health anxiety and health OCD all the time, this is going to be a really fantastic and just fascinating episode. So Rachel, I would love if you could just really quickly introduce yourself and maybe jump into talking about what is health anxiety for anybody out there who's not aware.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be on here. Um, so, health anxiety in general, formally known as hypochondria, it's the more common term, um, is really it's a it's a form of OCD, as this is my understanding um, that of OCD that really encompasses focusing all of your attention on bodily functions. And that could be pain, it could be GI symptoms, just anything with your body um, and diseases and doing compulsions and reassurance seeking um, with with those. And it can be quite life consuming and quite debilitating. And I feel that it does get a lot of misconceptions around it. Um, And for the most part, when you hear health anxiety, People, I think, gear towards anxiety and don't really know that it's an OCD issue. And so there's a lot of um, confusion as to how it gets treated and how people live with it on, on a daily basis and how it really affects people's lives.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I am often asked, you know, what is the difference between health OCD and health anxiety or hypochondriac, um, all those different terms. And at the end of the day, You know, I I like these terms because obviously people resonate with them and we need them for certain purposes clinically, but at the same time, it's like we're missing the function. We cannot miss the big picture of, you know, anxiety and OCD often work much the same way. We start out with this doubt or this worry or this uncertainty, this intrusive thought or this obsession that makes us feel anxious uh, because we interpret that as being significant or important somehow or otherwise our responsibility in some form or fashion. That anxiety feels really uncomfortable, so we feel the need to give in to some type of compulsion or safety behavior or avoidance, some anxiety reduction strategy, right? Um, and you know that all does well really temporarily. It makes us feel better really temporarily, but that compulsion via negative reinforcement just reinforces that obsession or that worry or that concern for next time. So uh, what ends up happening is whatever you call it, right? You know, whatever it is that you want to call it, whether it's OCD or anxiety, what ends up happening is, um, you know, we just see the snowballing effect. We see people having to do more compulsions, do more safety behaviors, engage in more avoidance or more anxiety reduction strategies. Uh, and they just become more and more hyper-focused on and more and more anxious about whatever it was that they were initially distressed by. Um,
1: yeah, it's a never-ending cycle.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And Yeah. There's just a lot of like confusion and loss of understanding or like wanting to know, okay, what's the function? Like what's, what's the actual function here? How is this actually working? So would love for you now to get into just your experience and your story.
1: Yeah. So in 2019, I got sick um, in the winter and I hadn't really struggled with health anxiety prior to that. I've always had Anxiety. I was I was diagnosed with um, generalized anxiety disorder and OCD when I was younger, so it's always been there, but never in the form of health anxiety. So when I got sick that winter, it was pretty bad. I I didn't know what was going on. We were there were insurance reasons. I was not able to see a doctor right away, and so for about two and a half months, I was unable to eat. I was losing a ton of weight, and during that time. I just had every thought go through my head as to what could be going on and what could be wrong. And I did the worst thing you could possibly do, which was spent all my time on Google. And I took off with everything I found, especially cancers. My brain really navigated towards all the, the cancer talk and the cancer everything online. And even when I finally got to a doctor and they would tell me, oh, it's not cancer, I would feel better in the, for a minute, and then I would go home and think, but what if they miss this? What if they miss that? And that continued for, for a while. And when I started feeling better that year, now it was 2020, um, it, the, the OCD part was just getting stronger. Even though I started physically feeling better and I wasn't sick anymore, the OCD just kept continuing and continuing. And then COVID hit right after this, literally maybe a month after I got better, COVID hit. And so I, as everyone else got quarantined and went home into lockdown and all of my thoughts just kind of went into health, everything. And I would get a headache and immediately think brain tumor. And it wasn't, you you couldn't convince me otherwise. And I would make appointments with my doctor every, every month, every other week, I would call constantly. I would ask for all these tests. Every time a test would come, back I'd be satisfied and then not satisfied convinced that they missed something um it was getting annoying and then about maybe a year later a year and a half later um it was continuing continuing and it got to the point where when I I got a new job and I had to move I almost quit the job within a month of working there because I was so out of control with the health anxiety and so convinced I had something wrong with me I would spend the whole entire eight-hour workday basically wanting to be on Google and trying to be on Google as much as I could, constantly seeking reassurance from family and friends. My family was getting very angry at me, and it's they like were tired of hearing about it and tired of saying, no, you don't have cancer, or like, just tired of being around the constant me talking about whatever I thought was going on. My doctors were saying the same type of thing, like, you don't have it, you don't have it, and running tests just because i asked them to which actually just fueled the cycle um and it it was unbearable i wasn't able to leave my 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 room even when i had to go to the work it was me like pulling myself out of bed i didn't want to see any friends i didn't want to talk to anybody because in my mind i was dying of cancer and nobody could tell me that and i thankfully found a a psychologist who specialized in, or specializes in OCD. And we have since done ERP and started um, really getting into a lot of really difficult exposures. But it's just as I've gone through it and even, even now today, this very day, I still have a ton of those thoughts and it's hard to try to just stop the compulsions, especially the mental compulsions with it when you feel like something's wrong, like a headache, a stomachache, if my leg hurts, my arm hurts. I don't know if I went on a run and my body is sore the next day, I can't always separate those two. And it just gets so bothersome where you feel like you can't live your life. It's just all consuming.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned everything that, I mean, it really just really fits nicely into that OCD cycle that we talked about in the beginning, right? So it seems like you started off with this intrusive thought, one of which was, what if I have cancer or some version of that, right? Um, You know, that obviously caused a lot of anxiety. Um, Obviously, if you continue to invest in that thought mentally, you know, thinking that that would be awful and catastrophizing about that and really thinking about all the symptoms, so on and so forth. You then want to go on to Google, um, which never really ends up well for people, obviously, but it still feels like, you know, that impossible pull. You feel compelled to do it, which is, you know, the, the definition of that is that you feel compelled, you feel compelled, you want to do something that you don't really want to do, but you just feel drawn to it and you feel like you can't stop it. And just like you mentioned, right, like it made you feel better temporarily these tests that the doctor ran for you, you know, your family members, your loved ones telling you you don't have cancer. These are all things that just very temporarily made you feel better, but in the long run actually made you feel worse and contributed to the cycle just getting impossibly difficult. Um, And you're bringing to light how OCD can snowball, right? Like it starts out as like one little thing, like I'm just gonna go into Google and look up this one thing, but we've just gone down the rabbit hole and it just expands from there it's very insidious in that way. Um, Why don't you talk to us about some of the mental compulsions that you struggled with? I know that that's a really big struggle for people in the OCD community. And, um, you know, I think people can wrap their heads around a little bit better, you know, like, okay it's one thing to not jump on Google. It's one thing to not call my doctor. But so many people have a hard time with mental compulsions, you know, being aware of them and then actually trying to execute some level of control over not giving into them. Um, So if you could talk to us about your mental compulsions and your recovery with that,
1: that would be awesome. Mental compulsions are hard. I, when I first started treatment for um, my health anxiety, it was a year ago or over a year ago with a different therapist who didn't have a ton of experience. With health anxiety, and I, she never even said the word mental compulsion to me. Like I didn't even know it was a thing when I started with my new therapist, and I was telling her what kind of things I tell myself when I'm having um, panic attacks or health anxiety thoughts. She was like, "Oh, those are mental compulsions," and I, I just stopped and I was like, "What is a mental compulsion?" I didn't know that was a thing. I was totally blindsided, and so I, they are the hardest for me to catch. I can catch a lot of my behaviors. But sometimes I'll be like halfway through a mental composure and be like, well, that sucks. I did it anyway. So some of mine are if I'm in the midst of a really bad panic or any type of, um, oh, my gosh, I think I have this fill in the blank disease. I'll try to talk myself out of it. I'll try to say, no, it can't be that because and I'll rationalize. So rationalizing for me is a big one. I, instead of just sitting with the thought and letting myself feel uncomfortable with, oh, I'll never know, it might be, it might not be, you just won't know, let's get back to my daily life. I will say, no, it can't be that because this test showed that and that test showed that. Or no, it, it has to be this benign thing because, oh, I, I, have, I have gluten sensitivity and I might've had something with gluten. So I'll try to rationalize as to why it can be that, or can't be that. I'll also, try to just tell myself, it's okay. everything's okay. It, don't worry. it's it's not what you think it is. It can't be what you think it is. It's okay. Again, instead of just sitting with those thoughts. And so every time I do that, and every time I kind of argue back at my OCD instead of just letting my OCD be, it's making it worse, it's making it 10 times harder for me next time I have those mental compulsions, but it's also making it 10 times harder for me to recognize that they're compulsions. To me, I'm trying to just, obviously I'm trying to ease my anxiety. I'm trying to ease the panic. And I kind of get confused when I'm having a panic attack, whether I want to bring the anxiety down or whether I want to let it go, like let it be and sit with it, Um, especially with the mental compulsions, because I've been told so many conflicting things um for panic and anxiety attacks about oh try to ground yourself um do the five four three two one do the senses deep breathing uh, you know meditate but with ocd you kind of want to steer clear of those especially during exposures but up until a point is from my understanding and with my mental compulsions i never know when they're okay to do and when they're not okay to do Maybe you can answer that. (laughs) I have no idea. I'm like, oh my gosh, I have so many things that I would love to chat about. I
0: (laughs) where do I even start? So how so many people out there, and I like love that you're actually talking about this as one of your compulsions and why it's not good to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, because so many people out there are probably like, well, my my therapist tells me to do that all the time. Like my therapist is always telling me to like fight my thoughts with logic and to think of things more rationally and challenge my thoughts or, you know, I have everyone, isn't it okay to remind myself that everything is going to be okay? Uh, Can you just, for those like maybe who are new to, to this idea of that not being okay for OCD, can you let them know why that, that those behaviors are problematic and how they fit into the OCD cycle?
1: Yeah. So when you, when you engage in those types of behaviors, what you're doing is you're bringing down the intense feeling of of worry and anxiety and with OCD you know the main issue of OCD is we don't people who have OCD we don't like uncertainty we don't like not knowing we want that reassurance we want everything to be okay and so how you combat that in therapy is you you don't you learn to live with it you learn to live with the uncertainty you do exposures to things that make you feel uncomfortable to say hey this is uncomfortable but look nothing happened to you when you went through that um ocd is irrational there's there's nothing rational about it there's no point in really trying to understand why you have the thoughts so there's no point in trying to understand the anxiety kind of behind it and so when you do things like meditate and you do things like Um, deep breathing and those mental compulsions. And you try to say to yourself, it's all going to be okay. It's all going to be okay. You're, you're fueling those OCD thoughts into saying, but what if it's not like, it's almost, it's doing the opposite effect. Does that make sense?
0: Yes. OCD is all about like the opposite effect. It's very paradoxical, especially in its treatment. So you're yeah. Hitting everything right on the head. So those things might intuitively make sense. Um, It would make common sense, right, to challenge these thoughts with rationale, um, to challenge them with logic. Uh, But unfortunately, OCD is the doubt disorder, right? So, um, And I would argue that all anxiety is, um, even generalized anxiety disorder, which I think is I mean, I have episodes on this too. Why, again, just like health anxiety versus health OCD, it's all semantics. Like at the end of the day, they function really similarly, if not exactly the same. Um, So yeah, I mean, what we're doing when we, you know, challenge or argue or provide logic to the doubt disorder is it's going to feel really good temporarily. Like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Like I just got this test or, you know, the doctor said that it's fine, so it's fine. Eventually, time is going to pass and doubt is going to creep back in because, again, OCD and anxiety are all about doubt. It's the doubt disorder. It's all about the intolerance of uncertainty and nothing is ever good enough for OCD or anxiety, right? So that test is not going to be good enough or that doctor's assessment is not going to be good enough, Um John Hirschfield said recently in an Instagram post that OCD is a glitch in the good enough system. And so the test is never going to be good enough. The assessment is never going to be good enough. In reality, the problem is in 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 our system. The problem is not the assessment or what the doctor said or didn't say. The problem is with our brains and it's never going to be good enough. And you demonstrated that perfectly in your experience, right? In your own story that you kept trying to pursue the answers and it worked for a little bit, but it eventually was not good enough. And the, the, another reason why this happens is because OCD and anxiety, especially when it's in the future, right? Like it's all in our imagination, you know, like even though you had everything that you needed to know from the doctor and you had all the objective evidence that any other person would be okay with your, you know, your brain is living in the future and is has the doubt disorder and anything in our imagination it, that we're always going to be able to come up with one more thing that trumps logic. So, you know, OCD is always going to trump logic, anxiety and uncertainty in our imaginations are always going to trump logic. That's why. I don't challenge any of my individuals that I work with with logic. Um, it, it just doesn't work. If anything, it just reinforces, and we're contributing to that argument. Um, it's like arguing with someone who, you know, OCD is like arguing with one of those people who like they just want to argue to argue, right? Yeah. Like they'll argue with you about whether the sky is blue. Yeah. Uh, they they just want to argue. They want to argue for the sake of arguing, and there's really no convincing them. You're just gonna like wear yourself out and get more frustrated how you win an argument with those people and with OCD is like, you just don't participate, right? Like you just don't participate. And it's frustrating because that person is up there thinking that they know everything and that the sky isn't blue when you know that it is. But like what I talk to my clients about is it's more important to be happy than to be certain because you can't be certain anyway.
1: Yeah. And something my therapist tells me is, especially with cancer, like, you will never know. You can have all the tests in the world one day, and the very next day, you know, your body can do whatever it wants, and you could have cancer the next day. You will literally never know. You can never be certain until you get a diagnosis, obviously. But even even then, like, things can happen. It's, it's just OCD makes it so much worse, and OCD will never be satisfied. It will never be okay with what you're trying to tell it, with what you're trying to do. And so really the only thing you can do is to fight back at it. Um, because it's, we call it like a bully. It's the bully inside your head that's just continuously making you, like you said, doubt everything and you're never going to please it. So you shouldn't even try.
0: Exactly. And I love, I have to like laugh at your therapist. Like that's exactly what I would say, but like it sounds so cruel, doesn't it? I know. <laughs> <laughs> For anyone else who's listening and like is not familiar with OCD or OCD treatment or how an ERP provider should not be providing reassurance to people, but obviously we do it in such a loving and compassionate way. Like it can sound so awful. So like, <laughs> can you defend that a little bit in case anybody out there is like, holy cow, like that, th- I would hate it if my therapist
1: said that to me, like, can you defend that a little bit? Absolutely. So I... I'm fully aware of my OCD and my health anxiety and what needs to be said and done. So um, when she says things like that, that to me, it, I almost, it allows me to almost take a step back and it allows me to kind of get ahead of my OCD and be like, okay, that's, that's true. Like I can do everything in my power today but that's still not going to give me any definitives. That's still not going to be 100% because you will never be at 100%. And to hear it in that way, it sounds harsh. It sounds mean, um, but to hear it from my therapist to be like, yes, you could have all the scans in the world today and then tomorrow, you know, your, your liver can go haywire or something. It's true, it's something that, when you're dealing with these OCD thoughts, you don't necessarily think about, because you're only thinking about one thing or you're, you're focusing on one um, outcome. And so when you hear something like that, she'll also say things to me like, you could have cancer right now, I could have cancer right now. Like she'll, she'll play it as that because it's true. And so when I hear those things, it forces me to have some perspective in, in a logical world um when I want to use logic and it kind of brings you back to to reality a little bit instead of living in that OCD bubble of no it's it's this way or that it's uh, all or nothing thinking you're catastrophizing everything and everything's black and white because that's what OCD is for me at least and so when you hear something else and something challenging that like well but actually it's not because you will never be certain you could have cancer tomorrow not today It's true. And I, I live with those thoughts now. And I try to, when she first started saying it to me, you know, it was a little, (laughs) a little rough. And I would look at her like, wow, thanks. That's, that was really nice. Um, But I understand. And she says it to me whenever I am getting really off on a tangent about, you know, cancer and having it again. And if the the thoughts are really strong, she uses it a way to kind of tether me back. And it's helpful. It really is. Well, yeah. And it's certainly more helpful than continuing to
0: do what's probably the easy thing in that moment, which is just give you what it is that you want to hear, put a smile on your face and then like you're, you're done for now. Right. But then you're just going to, it's not going to be good enough either. I think um, so many people with OCD, regardless of whether it's like hit and run OCD, health OCD, contamination, OCD, pedophilic OCD, like literally whatever subtype you have, it does not matter. I think everybody out there can resonate with they like you, right? Like they're in this desperate pursuit of an answer. They want to know 100% about something. And I've been there myself. I've been open with my own story, uh, particularly like fearful and obsessing about whether my son would die before me. Um, And I remember that desperate pursuit of just wanting an answer. I remember Googling you know, all the rates of kids dying before their moms. Um, and like what moms do, like, you know, how do they honor their kid's life? Like basically preparing myself, um, for him dying before me. Um, and I just wanted to know, I just wanted to know so badly. And then it hit me one day that I'm literally never going to know that I'm literally never going to know whether he will die before me. Um, there's nothing on the internet that will tell me that yeah, one way or the other. There's nothing that any doctor could ever tell me. There's nothing, even if I were somehow to manufacture like a, a look into the future, right? Like that wouldn't even be good enough because I would doubt that, right? Like I would doubt the good enoughness of that too. So that was kind of like a, a moment of mourning for me, which I think like you've probably been there yourself with a cancer thing, right? Like realizing that you could have it at any time. Yep. Like you could do all the rituals that you want to do in the perfect order that you want to do them until your OCD was completely satisfied and you could still have cancer. Maybe like that is a really happen. big eye-opening moment for people. And like, I'm that, right? Like I'm warned that, that I would never be able to know for sure whether my son would die before me or not. And Jonathan um, Grayson and Liz McIngill, they gave a really good conference talk about this this year at IOCDF about like living your second best life. Like my best life would be one where I know my son is not going to die before me. Your best life is one where you know that you will never, ever get cancer. That's not possible. So let's try to move forward and try to live our second best life as much as we possibly can. I don't know if you have any thoughts or reactions to that.
1: I really like that. It reminds me of, um, like, you you need to let the, you only have control over so much. And I know OCD has a lot to do with control. Um, and it's like, you want to control everything, which is why you do those rituals and the compulsions. And why you want, it's like, if you do this, then I can control this, or it could be for a magical thinking reason. But for me, it's, it's mostly control. And, you know, hearing those things, like, if you live your, if you you can't live the life that you absolutely want because you can't control everything around you. You can't control whether or not someone's going to die or whether or not you get cancer. Those things are out of your control. There are things you can do to help pre- prevent, I guess, um, some of it. Like you can t- you can be smart and you know with cancer, maybe don't sit for hours in the sun without sunscreen or don't smoke a ton of cigarettes, kind of thing. Um, but there's, it's ultimately not in your hands. And when you accept that and you accept that way of thinking and you kind of say, okay, I guess I'm okay with that. That's then I guess the second life that they're talking about. And I really like the analogy of your first best life and your second best life. I like that a lot. (laughs) I've not heard that. Um, and it's, I think it's hard for people with OCD to be okay with that. And like you said, with the mourning it, I definitely still am. I'm definitely, I'm not fully recovered by any means um, with my OCD. And I'm in this process of wanting to kind of stay where I'm comfortable with the reassurance and, and everything. But then I have to keep reminding myself, but am I really comfortable there? Is that really helping me? It's not, it's not actually helping me. It's making my life miserable. And to have to do all these rituals and compulsions are taking up so much of my time and so much of my thoughts and so much of my life. So how is that my best life? Like, it's not going to help me get to what my best life is either. It's just destroying it. So as soon as you could get over that and get to the second best life, you're going to be so much happier. And I'm I'm really excited to get there one day.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think we all can for sure. Um, So pivoting from that and slightly related, I would love for you to talk about the role specifically of physicians. We've talked about the role of therapists, you know, good OCD and ERP therapists, things like not giving reassurance, things like, you know, helping you mourn that first best life and getting you to accept the second best life. Um, but what about the physicians? Because I doubt they know about OCD and anxiety and exposure and response prevention, not giving reassurance. Um, So talk to us a little bit about your opinions about as far as like how the physicians come into play here, how they can help or harm and like any of your personal experiences with physicians beyond what you've already talked about.
1: Yeah, I think this is a topic that is very much under talked about in the medical world um, with MDs. I think that for a lot of people with OCD, their experience has been rather bad when going to a doctor, um, depending on the doctor. I'm not going to put all doctors in one category. Um, there's a lot of stigma around mental health in general. And because OCD is not understood well, especially health in OCD, it just makes it that much harder for the doctor to understand you. So for me, I've had a ton of experiences where I have a genuine concern, and I understand that I have a lot of concerns um, over my health, but when I walk into the doctor's office, I still have the concern. The concern is still real. The symptom is still real, and the worst thing you can do and the thing that happens the most is the doctor automatically hears that you have anxiety and then says well it's just your anxiety and dismisses everything and either won't give you the time of day and just says no it's your anxiety goodbye or says oh well maybe you had uh, like some sort of stomach ache but your anxiety made it worse and that's what we're dealing with right now and you just feel very very dismissed and very uh, you're you're don't you are you do not you do not feel heard and you think you're going crazy you think like no this symptom is real this is real and i want to know why at least listen to me talk to me ask me questions do something but at the same time the doctor could be on the other end of the spectrum and i've had this too where the doctor is overdoing it and is listening to your concerns which is great but then will order so many tests because they want to just make you feel better. They want you to just calm down. They don't think anything's wrong. So in their mind, if I order all these tests and she sees she doesn't have this, this or this, she'll be fine. But that's really fueling the OCD because it goes back to the whole me wanting answers and seeking reassurance and getting all these tests. But the minute I see the tests, I'll be like, oh yes, good, great. And then 10 minutes later, I'll be like, wait, no, what if this happened? Um, and it just, continues it and then you wind up going to the doctor even more. So there's I have yet to find really a doctor that can can balance the two ends of the spectrum um because there's no awareness of of this. And the MDs are taught, you know, doctor things instead of they don't they don't really focus on mental health. Nor you know, it makes sense. A psychologist, psychiatrist, those people focus on um mental health. And so when you're going to an MD they're looking for a problem um that yeah it could be maybe made worse by your your anxiety or your OCD but it could still be there and they might be missing something you might feel like they're missing something the if they just talk to us and ask some questions and I don't know got to know a little bit more about the problem you might wind up saying something that could actually be really beneficial uh, rather than then just passing on your case basically because you have anxiety. And it's very, very frustrating. And it's, the more it happens, the more you feel like you have to go back for tests and the more you feel like you have to get second opinions and third opinions. And the more in between time um, you have, the more your thoughts kind of spiral out of control. Um, and for me, you know, with the cancer issue, I'll jump from cancer to cancer to cancer, keep thinking it's this one. And if it's not that one, it's this one. And if it's not that, it's that. Um, and you don't want to keep going back to the doctors because you feel like you're burdening them. And that's not your goal. You're not trying to. You just want answers. And it's, it's hard. It's a hard balance. And I don't know what that balance is for a doctor.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, And even for me, like as a provider, as an OCD specialist, you know, I often work with people who have health anxiety, health OCD, whatever you want to call it. Um, And I will tell them straight up, like, I'm not I'm not going to tell you that this is just anxiety. Like, in fact, it's not something that in our office together, like I certainly can't figure that out. Right. Like I can't tell you whether you have cancer or whether you don't have cancer. I always try to describe to them, like, regardless of what the physical problems are, or regardless of what your symptoms are that are so triggering to you. I do think that, um, I can always pretty much get them to agree that the compulsions that they're doing and the repetitive behaviors that they're doing are not helping the situation, right? So, um, I think you know, from our perspective as a therapist, right? Like, I think we also do them a, a disservice by too, like, just dis- disregarding the fact that there could be something wrong, it, it often comes off as like invalidating, right? And we mm-hmm. end up having not great rapport, so on and so forth. I will tell the person straight up like I'm not going to argue with you about like whether you do or whether you don't have something actually wrong with you. Like you may very well have a legitimate concern or like a legitimate physical problem that I am not an expert about. But I do know a lot about OCD. I do know a lot about anxiety and I try to think have them think about it like a piece of a pie, right? Like if we could acknowledge that like 80% of your headaches or 80% of you know your gastrointestinal issues are legitimately like as a result of like a medical issue. That's great. What about the 20% that you may be exacerbating because of these repetitive problems, these repetitive behaviors that do make you anxious, that do make you feel more low mood or have less appetite, like whatever. Right. So usually when I describe that to them, like, I'm not going to be able to fix the 100% piece of the pie, but like, I just want us to take ownership of that 20% piece of the pie that we can agree does not help your problem at all. Right. So, um, I've always gotten a, a really good response when I approach things that way. And, um, you know, even if we don't, get rid of the physical problem altogether like that's not necessarily the goal right like the goal is to be able to resist some of these problematic behaviors of the of the rituals and you know being able to resist those things being able to make sure that the person is making decisions based in their values not like urgently out of anxiety right um so yeah, as we wrap up here, I would love to hear like your thoughts, like how do you make decisions, <laughs> right? Like <laughs> how, you know, there are going to be times where, you know, like you have to make decisions, you know, you do have to call the doctor, you do have to, you know, Google this thing. How do you still keep your recovery in check to the best of your ability? Like, how do you, how can you tell, you know, whether you are actually doing something based on your values versus whether you're actually giving into like an obsessive compulsive type of behavior?
1: It's rough. So looking back on it, there have been many times where I have said to my parents something, oh, I need to go to the ER. I need to go. And I've never actually followed through with those because I was able to recognize in the moment that it, that it was mostly my OCD or my anxiety that was making the problem that much worse. Like I, there was some part of me that tried to be rational that comes and goes, I will say. Um, but it's hard knowing the difference you you like I was told, you know, you know your body the best. You can trust your body, but I feel like I can't. Like my, and it's not that my body's lying to me, but my mind is lying to me, and my OCD is lying to me. And whenever I feel anything is wrong, my OCD says, "Oh, that's a problem. You have to get it checked out." So it's almost kind of boy who cried wolf, but on yourself. And you don't. I, I ha, I've had trouble with that, and I've recently in the past week um, had a health issue go on. And I was in the middle of the night around like 1am debating what to do with this because I was in a lot of pain. And the pain was so bad, I, I couldn't stand up, but I kept saying to myself, if I text my mom to come get me and say, hey, I need to go to the ER. She's gonna say no, because this is just your anxiety seeking reassurance. Like you need to calm down. Um, so I, I, I battled myself, like, do I do this? Do I not do this? Is this an emergency? Is this my health anxiety? What do I do? And for about seven hours, I went on for this debate and I, I, something just kind of clicked in my mind that said the fact that I'm even debating it, um, because that means there's a part of me that knows I shouldn't, or I knows, or is telling myself, I don't want to go to the ER, kind of lets me know that at this point in my, in my progress and my recovery, I can recognize when my OCD thoughts are taking over and the, what my therapist calls rational Rachel is kind of in the backseat. And when rational Rachel actually is driving and is saying there is a problem. And when it was getting, when my pain was getting to the point where I, I really just could not move. I said, this you can't anxiety your way into this. There's there's no way I could have done that. And it turned out to be a good thing because I, I found out there was something legitimately wrong and I, I have to get it taken care of. And it's it's a really hard balance because I knew the minute I, I said, okay, I'm going to the ER, it was going to cause issues with my family and going to cause issues, well, not issues, but My friends would start questioning me like, oh, of course you're just, or another, it's another health anxiety thing, but it's not, I knew that I knew in my head, it wasn't, it felt different, but for some of the minor things, so a bruise on my arm, I immediately jumped to leukemia and that one, you know, when a normal person looks at a bruise on their arm, it's going to be, oh, did I hit my arm on something, not jumps to Oh my God, I'm going to die. And I drove myself to urgent care for that one because I couldn't. I, I wasn't, it was really early on in my progress of OCD recovery. And I was not able to recognize a rational part of me. And I think one of the things I've learned a lot since starting ERP is if you can use the skills that you're doing in ERP to. To resist compulsions, to put those aside, and you're still having the symptom. If the symptom itself hasn't gotten better, then it's probably not the anxiety, and you probably should get it addressed. Um, That's what my therapist and I have kind of worked on and worked towards, but it it is hard. It is very hard. I don't always know when the right choice is. Um, You want to trust yourself, but like I said, you almost don't know when to trust yourself it's very boy who cries wolf it's very much of a in the moment type of decision um and you kind of just have to trust your your progress if you have already started um therapy if any of that makes sense
0: yeah and i think you're underscoring the fact that there are no easy answers and that OCD is a very nuanced condition, right? So, you know, there's, I get questions all day, every day, um, about like how to do this and what about this, what do I do in this situation? And it's like, that's why it's so important to like, really try to immerse yourself in OCD education. And ideally, if you can, if it's accessible and affordable to you be like, to be able to work with a therapist who understands and can help, you know, uncover all these nuances for you, because it's not always super, it's never straightforward. Um, right there's a lot of nuances to it. And, um, you know, I think that's why we all feel so strongly about, you know, getting adequate and really awesome care out to people and getting, you know, more of the proper education out about OCD, because it's so tricky. It can be so, so tricky. So along those lines, because it's so tricky, Um, let's wrap up here. I would love for you to give any last minute pieces of advice or encouragement, um, for anybody out there who's resonating with what it is that you're talking about. Like, oh my gosh, I do that too. Um, but they just have like no idea where to start. Um, what would be your advice or just your, you know, initial words of wisdom for them as they move forward?
1: Um, I know it's going to sound cliche, but you're not crazy. <laughs> when when mine first started, it was a lot of people questioning me and me feeling very much alone and very much like I, I had to fight for everything and nobody would listen to me or believe me. Um, but no, you're not alone. There are tons of us with OCD and tons of people out there struggling with, this, with the same thing. Um, and I've met a few other people who are struggling with the same thing and you feel very validated um, so you are not alone. I do highly, highly recommend seeking a, some sort of help, whether that's um, a therapist, a psychologist, anybody who has training with OCD, who knows how to um, do treatment, which I am going to say the gold standard is still ERP, which is exposure, resp- exposure response prevention. Um, and it, it does get better. It's not going to happen overnight. It's not an easy fix. OCD, like you said, is tricky. It's complicated. There's so much to it. There's so many different triggers out there. There are things that you don't even know will trigger you. And then all of a sudden you'll have these thoughts. Um, but it is manageable. You can work through it. Exposures really, really do help. And I really, really say that it is. they are necessary. They're so beneficial to being able to live a a better life away from OCD.
0: I love that. That's so awesome. Um, Rachel, thank you so much for being here. I would love if you just took a couple seconds and let people know where they can find you. If they want to stay connected with you, um, you know, keep up with your story and just your experiences. So yeah, if uh, people want to find you, where can they find you?
1: Sure. Um, so my Instagram is at Rachel's OCD grotto. And I do have a TikTok. It is uh, Rachel's Grotto. No OCD in there, just Rachel's Grotto. Um, Thank you so much, Jennifer, for having me on here. This was fantastic. I really enjoyed being here with you. Thank you.
0: This was helpful for me. It's always helpful just to like realign myself and my own recovery and you know, get re-energized about trying to help some more people. Um, and I think this will be really, really impactful for people who are listening. So I'll make sure uh, to link Rachel's information and contact info in our show notes. If you want to keep up to date with her story, Rachel, thank you again for being here. It was a total pleasure to have you. Um, and thank you all for listening in the meanwhile, guys, keep doing all the hard things.